0: G.K. Chesterton said that for all of human history, human beings have been trying to figure out the truth through two main channels. One is what he calls broadly science or knowledge, reason, and the other is myth or story. He says that if you go down one or the other of those routes, you can say a lot about the world, about where we came from, about human nature about our destiny but neither is complete reason while it's fixated on facts and truth in the intellectual sense it's kind of empty and lifeless whereas myth can be exciting and adventurous but it lacks the sort of truthiness that we need to wrap our heads around it and really cling to it as something to immovable the kind of a center of gravity in our life So there's something about both of those things. And we see in the Greek philosophers a fixation on truth, reason, science, knowledge. Even their talk about God, Aristotle and Plato, they talked about an uncaused cause or the sphere, the form of all goodness, the the perfection from which all instances of beauty, truth and goodness come. It's beautiful and, and true in its way, but it's not a story. It doesn't tell us what is our part. What does God have to do with me? Whereas the pagans, the, the ones who worship the gods, they said, well, maybe we came from the gods that are some, something like animals or something like us. They can be violent and brutish or wonderful and, and beautiful and alluring uh, depending on their moods. But those gods were not reliable. Nobody really believed in them the way that the Israelite people believed in God, Yahweh, the one who had revealed himself. And so what Chesterton says is that through all of salvation history, we were wandering around with this hole in our heart, like a keyhole. And the keyhole has logic to it, but it's not the kind of logic that you solve like a puzzle. You solve by looking around and trying to find a key that fits it. And you can try to pick the lock sometimes, and, but if it's a complicated enough lock, you need that key. And when you find the key, it's not like you look at the key and you measure it and you say, like, mm, is that going to fit the lock? I don't know. Well, maybe not. I don't think so. And you just throw it. You try it in the lock. And the key that fits the lock opens something up. That's what Chesterton says the gospel is. In Christ is the fullness of both Science and myth, truth and story. It's the story that we've all been waiting for, all been looking for, but it has that firmness, that immutability, that godliness that we know can never change and is always true, no matter where we are or what time of day it is or what century it is. This is true, and I can rely on it. And those of us who have had some experience of Christ and found him to be this kind of truth, this kind of key that fits the lock, And say, like, we can never ignore it. We might, our faith might weaken. We might go through difficult times, tribulations. We may even abandon him. But you can never forget him. Once you've known the truth, you've tasted it, you've been set free by it. You always long for it. And the truth is basically this. The gospel is basically this. That we were made for relationship. Relationships of perfect, unconditional love. That's why God made us. He is love. He made us for love. And we have sinned. We have fallen from that love into self-love, into selfishness. And so those relationships are broken with God, with each other, with ourselves, with creation. And that in the fullness of time, Jesus came to restore those relationships by his perfect sacrifice, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, and his sending of his spirit on the church. And through the sacraments, up until today, until the end of time, Jesus' life, His perfect sacrifice, the grace of that restoration is available to us in the church. And all of that is reliant on the truth of this one event that we celebrate tonight, the resurrection. That Jesus is alive. He is not a historical figure that we think had some good ideas or is worth emulating because of his virtue or his kindness or his gentleness or whatever else. We believe that he's the Lord of the universe in human flesh, who has come to break open the prison bars of death and give us all access to the fullness of life here on earth, in the kingdom of God, in the Catholic Church, and to prepare us for the fullness, the consummation of that life with him in heaven. Jesus is alive today, yesterday, and forever we think of time after the resurrection as almost like exploded. When he came out of the tomb, things were never the same again. And one of those things that is never the same is time. It's not like it was where it would just pass away. And sometimes we feel that in our lives, right? That some time, some golden age in our life when we were happy, I can never get it back. We feel the gloom of death, the gloom of the fallen world. That no matter how good things are, they always pass. That's time conditioned by death. But time conditioned by the resurrection is totally different. It is open to fullness at all times. We say in the church that in the fullness of time, Christ came. He was incarnated of the Virgin Mary and became man. That's the fullness of time. All of time, the whole story if you will, all of these stories that we just read tonight of God's creation of the world, of his calling of Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans, his, his mysterious asking of him to sacrifice his son Isaac, this, which was so weird but in a way makes, is understandable in light of Christ, that God gave his only son. All of those stories, the exodus, when the Israelites passed through the Red Sea to foreshadow baptism to be set free from not just slavery to Pharaoh, but slavery to sin, to our own selfishness. All of those stories came to a head, to a fullness in Christ. And all of them made sense. Everything that was hidden in the old is revealed in the new. And in the fullness of time, he suffers, he dies, he rises from the dead and ascends to heaven and opens the floodgate of the river of God's love in the church, which is the Holy Spirit. And now we live in the last times, The fullness of time is Christ, his life on earth 2,000 years ago. But now, in these past 2,000 years, we've been living in the last times, the end times. When the victory has already been won, death has already been conquered, we have already been set free from sin. But it's not yet consummated. So what we're awaiting in the creed, we say the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. The consummation of time is when Christ comes again in glory to call us out of our graves to judge the living and the dead, and to give us a new heavens and a new earth to restore all things. And what Revelation says is that God will be all in all. And in this last time what we live in, this time when the life of Christ, the restoration of what we long for is available to us in the church, we live in this tension, in our own individual lives, in the life of the church, in the life of the world, that we taste it in these moments like this liturgy, that the resurrection is real, or when we have a beautiful warm day and flowers start popping out of the earth miraculously after freezing cold winters, said there's something alive again. Resurrection is real. The time is not this closed loop that always gives way to death, but it's open to a new fullness. And we long for that time when God will be, as the Bible says, all in all. Tonight we have the privilege of, of baptizing someone, our friend Laura, who's been with us in RCIA for the last year and giving a confirmation, the fullness of Christian initiation, um, to Andrew. Both of them will also be confirmed, and, and Laura will also receive her first communion. And once that happens, then all in this building, theoretically, who have been baptized, have Christ in us. Christ is in all of us. But he is not yet all in us. We can no longer say, with, we, we can't yet say with St. Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's the process of the Christian life. That's life in the last times. As we come to this altar every Sunday or every day, as we make an altar out of our lives, out of our hearts, and offer everything to God and open it up to his grace, we seek to make nothing our own anymore, to grasp at nothing like Adam and Eve grasp at the at the knowledge, at the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to not let that grasping, that selfishness, that fear and mistrust of the goodness of God imprison us anymore, but to open ourselves up completely to Christ so that he can be all in me. I have held nothing back from him. That is the good news of the resurrection. That is the good news of the Catholic Church, that she exists, that despite all the tribulations, all of these 2,000 years, she is still here, providing people with Christ and the fruit of his sacrifice. We call this Christian initiation, what you guys are about to go through, the fullness of initiation, which is appropriate, that word. It's the initial part of Christianity. It's the beginning. You'll have the fullness. We also say you're entering into full communion with the Catholic Church. But in a way, that's already this coming together of the paradox. It's the beginning, but it's also the fullness You're tasting right now this moment of fullness, but it's only the beginning. The rest of your lives, until you take that last communion, is a growth in this mystery to making Christ's sacrifice your own sacrifice. And I think, praise God, you can feel, God, in this room that sometimes we have the Easter feeling that despite this past year and all the trials and tribulations, all the suffering, all the loneliness and isolation, all the fear and anxiety, all the mistrust and violence, that God is still here. Easter is still real. The springtime is coming. And if you feel that joy, thank God. If you don't feel it, ask him for it. But to know that the joy itself is not the source of joy. If we feel that joy, thank you, Lord. But the feeling of joy is not joy. Joy is Christ. Hope, faith, love, is being attached utterly to Christ until we're attached to nothing left on this world except Him. And that's our only joy. He says in His Last Supper, I no longer call you servants but friends. And that it is not you who have chosen me, I have chosen you. It's a great mystery that you're here tonight, you two. Christ has chosen you for this fullness. And He says also to His apostles, in the world you have trouble. In the world you will have trouble. There will be trouble in your life. He guarantees it. In fact, he says it's it's necessary. You have to carry your cross. Pick it up daily. Deny yourself and follow me. But he says, take courage. I have overcome the world. This night is a night of victory. Victory over sin and death. Victory over your old self that Christ has won for you. He's ransomed you, a slave and made you sons and daughters, all of us. Let us not take that gift for granted. Let's give him praise and thanks until, in joyful hope, we wait for the coming of that total victory, that Easter moment when resurrection is fulfilled and we can share, finally, in the fullness of life, full communion, nothing held back in the marriage feast of heaven and earth.